You're listening to the podcast edition of It Really Does Matter. This is episode three. Now, some of you have probably noticed that the name is now changed of both the podcast and the blog that is behind this as well. And I guess the first thing I need to do today is talk a little bit about the name that I've given this blog and podcast. And I, of course, have called this Danger Falling Brainwaves, and my podcast was the David Ansel Podcast, and then the blog was the Ansel Review for a while, and I used that for the first two episodes of the podcast, but I never really liked any of those names, and I wanted to find a name that really reflected the kind of thing that I was going for whenever I would write a blog or podcast. That doesn't mean every single thing is going to fit exactly, but... There is a theme that goes through a lot of what I write and a lot of what I talk about. And of course, much of it is born out of my experience as a Catholic. One of the things that I have found through the education or catechesis that I received when I first became Catholic, and to a certain extent I bought into it, to a certain extent I didn't, that certain things just don't matter to our Lord or don't matter to society. One of the biggest things that I would hear, maybe not directly, is that external conformity to laws, for example, don't matter. That Jesus did away with all that. And as a matter of fact, Jesus did make external conformity not unnecessary, but insufficient. And that's very important in our spiritual lives, as if you've ever heard any Christopher West when he speaks about John Paul II's theology of the body, he will talk about how we do gain a certain kind of freedom from the law as Christians, but it's not a freedom to break the law. It's rather where we are so in love with God and so wanting to do his will that the law really just isn't even a constraint for us. We don't even have to think about it because we don't even want to do the wrong thing anyway. But that external act still matters. I know I used to be a very sloppy dresser for church because I bought into that saying that, oh, it really doesn't matter what you wear. It's what's in your heart. But I never stopped to think about what could be in the heart of someone who just doesn't seem to care how one prepares oneself externally for the most important thing that he's going to do all week. And at one point I did come to understand that and I would at least dress for mass as I would dress for work. I must admit that I had quite a bit of sympathy for that viewpoint that said that, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. But we know very well that what we're aiming for here is not just a set of principles, but yet a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And we are to aim to have a right relationship with our Lord. But does that mean that the doctrine is not important? No, because the doctrine is really God's self-revelation. And so it would be very difficult for that not to be important as it would be in any relationship. You want to know the facts about somebody. What kind of things does that person like? What really bothers a person? And it's the same way with our God. The only difference is is that our God is all-knowing, all-loving, and all-perfect. And so we really want to strive in our lives to know him as best as humanly possible and to strive to do everything that he wants. It's not like our human relationships where sometimes you don't want to do what somebody wants because you know it's not a good idea. Furthermore, what about the way we worship? Does that matter to God? Well, God has a right to our worship. 
And our worship of God should really be an accurate reflection of who we know him to be. The Mass that we celebrate is not just an arbitrary ritual that was just arbitrarily picked. There are precise reasons for everything in the Mass. And if either bad hymns are used that don't accurately reflect who God is, or if the rite is actually altered, we're not doing what God wants. We're doing something else. And possibly, and of course this is the worst case scenario, we're even worshiping a different God and therefore falling into idolatry. And so getting things right is important. And very often a lot of my blog posts are about things that I have felt were commonly misunderstood and often things that people in our world or even people in the church today really don't understand why does it matter. And so I've always wanted to help people understand and know the Catholic faith for what it is and why these things do matter. And so I really felt that it was a really good name to have my blog and my podcast. It really does matter. And that's going to be the theme of a lot, maybe not everything, but a lot of what I say here. And with that, we'll take a break and then I'm going to shift gears to a little bit about something that I'm reading that I wanted to share with everybody. Welcome back to It Really Does Matter. And in this segment, I want to talk about a couple of books that I've been fortunate enough to have some time to read. And they are The Temperament God Gave You and The Temperament God Gave Your Spouse by Art and Lorraine Bennett. I am definitely not one to read pop psychology or the popular health books. But as you will see reading the books, these do have much deeper roots Even the terms they use to describe what they call temperaments, which temperaments are really just our more natural, inborn ways that we may act and respond to the world around us. This has its roots even in old Greek times, which they use some ancient Greek terms actually describe the temperaments, and they have been used throughout the history of the church. Because in the spiritual life, true self-knowledge is important. Because knowing we have natural temperaments is basically um, something to help us know what our spiritual strengths are going to be, what we're naturally going to excel at, and what our natural weaknesses are going to be, not because they are an excuse for sin. We should never use this as an excuse for sin, but rather as a blueprint to understand that which we need to work on. I don't think this is just some kind of scientific thing, and I'm sure that in trying to discover our own temperament, we will find out that we don't really neatly fit one of the four temperaments, which I'll describe in a minute. And even the authors will say that most people are a combination of two temperaments. They will describe it as us having a primary and then a secondary temperament, which may be really a strong secondary or maybe not. The temperaments that they describe are, and hopefully I pronounce these right, I'm not really sure of the pronunciation, but the sanguine, which is the people person, the choleric, which is more the leadership type, the phlegmatic, who's more easygoing, and the melancholic, who's the more deep thinker. The sanguine and the choleric are more extroverted temperaments, the melancholic and the phlegmatic are the more introverted temperaments. 
and each has its own inborn spiritual strengths and weaknesses, which may be tempered by a secondary temperament. The sanguine, the people person, will be very warm and empathetic towards people and will love new experiences, but also can be very distractible and may have trouble developing a real depth in any relationships or in the spiritual life. The choleric tends to be really good at getting things done and getting organized, but the choleric can be tempted to pride and selfishness and may have a little bit of difficulty with examination of oneself. And confession can be especially difficult for a choleric. The melancholic is a kind of person that can develop very good and really high ideals, but can also become a Pharisee and really just not seeing anything living up to those ideals may get the idea that nobody or nothing is good enough. The phlegmatic can be very nice, easygoing. They tend to be very loyal, but can also become very lazy. And also because they tend to be conflict avoiders, also have a hard time talking about an unpleasant situation. The book, The Temperament God Gave You, will discuss in pretty good detail some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses, and how a secondary temperament might affect the first temperament. For example, a sanguine could also be a sanguine with a choleric temperament and then become a lot more organized and better at getting things done. In, in the second book, The Temperament God Gave Your Spouse, it's more geared towards people of different temperaments understanding each other. And like I said, I know I've mentioned that these are very good in gaining self-knowledge, but also people we may meet as friends or as co-workers or especially as a husband or wife, this can be very helpful in understanding each other. Like, why does this person seem to have these needs? Because it's very easy to end up feeling superior to somebody because perhaps either we're more decisive or, in the case of a more introverted temperament, we take our time to make a very careful decision. And so it provides a very good blueprint for working together. And it's just kind of interesting to me, and especially as I've worked in the corporate world, because I know that I'm the kind of person that seems to work best in a supportive environment. And I seem to gear my work towards what seems to be getting results and what people seem to be really happy with. Other people, maybe you can just set a goal and say, these are your goals. Kind of like I was told at one time, you set your standards high and people will rise to meet them. But me, I've kind of questioned that theory because I think you can eventually set standards so high that somebody is just going to say, well, I'm not going to make it that far, so I'm just going to do the best I can and not worry about it. It's very interesting read, and I would highly recommend it to anybody. But that's all I have for today. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and if you have any questions or any comments for me, I mean, feel free to visit my website at www.davidansel.com. There's a place there where you can either leave comments in the blog post, or you can just go to the contact page and you can email me. I'd love to hear from you. Got any questions, comments? especially if you have any other show ideas you'd like me to discuss. Anyway, thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.